out front in practice, faltering with a spin in his first lap of Q3, then flying to the front at the end. Charles Leclerc takes pole for Ferrari at Catalonia. Welcome to episode 196 of the Grid, Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Today we're here to discuss the qualifying for the Spanish Grand Prix. My name is Owen Medford and joining me we have F1 expert Jack Watson. Hello. Uh, and Sophia Richmond and Tom Downey from Everything F1. Hello. Hiya. Uh, but first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. Oh, uh, five-star rating on Spotify, um, uh, or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who uh, shout out to all of you who do to say thanks. And if you're one of the sixty-nine percent of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. So, as I just said, uh, yeah. Uh, Charles Leclerc t- took a uh, pretty convincing pole uh, by the end of it, um, but it wasn't exactly fa- uh, plain sailing, was it, Tom? Uh, no. Um, I mean, it looked like, well, I mean, all we tend to look like he was going to be fairly dead set for pole, even though I said, even though I said times would get it, wishful thinking. Um, when I when I saw Leclerc spin in that first uh, on his first running QTR, I thought, oh, okay, maybe here we go. Um, and then obviously Max put in a pretty good lap at the time. Um, but no, it was. Uh, if anything, it showed a lot about um, it showed a lot about Leclerc. It showed it showed how good he is under pressure because he had to put that lap in. It was going to say a phrase that I can't say. Um, it was all or nothing um, for him. Um, at, at that point, because obviously he hadn't recorded a lap of Q3, so it was pole or in the wall. Um, and thankfully, he did the former, not the latter. Yeah, I mean, what a lap! What a lap! Um, uh, who was I think it was, um, Brundle said in, in the commentary that he, that he thought so. He thought Leclerc saved a bit of tire in Q1, uh, sorry, not, not in Q1, in sector one of his final lap. Because he went something like two and a half tenths up on Verstappen's time in the middle sector, he absolutely flew, um, and 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 yeah, the, the, the Ferrari just looked really good. And on on his first lap, when he um when when he spun in, is it turns thirteen and fourteen the chicane? I think it is, isn't it? Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is the internet. Someone will. Um, you know, he, he um, you know, he he. he I, I thought initially he clipped the curb, but obviously these cars are so low. He hadn't even clipped the curb. It was just like the the back of the car just swung like a pendulum. Um, I don't know if he carried a bit too much speed or if he didn't have enough downforce. Or, there was obviously something there. I mean, you, you know, I've said time and time again, I'm not an aerodynamicist, so I don't know. Um, I'm just a fat nerd who watches it on TV. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it just, it, the car just completely went on him on, on that first lap. But he recovered well and just a absolutely scintillating lap. The lap reminded me a bit, and for some reason I was watching this last night, of Hamilton's lap in Singapore in 2018 when his back was a bit against the wall. I know the circumstances aren't exactly the same, but it, it reminded me a bit of when you know when a driver really had to put a lap together, and he did just that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's sort of the mark of a champion, being able to pull out the laps when you absolutely need to, and uh, and Charles Leclerc did exactly that. Um, unfortunately, someone who, uh, were it not for the car, probably would have been able to at least challenge uh, Charles Leclerc. Although, given the strength of his lap, maybe it would have, uh, you know, wouldn't have, wouldn't have come close. Uh, was Max Verstappen um, technical issue, Sophia, uh, stopping him from? Uh, stopping him from challenging for the pole properly. Um, but that's still pretty promising given the times that they have and uh, and the tyre wear that Red Bull have. Oh, 100%. And Max, I mean, Christian Horner said afterwards, they were nowhere going to be near, even with Max potentially going to finish that lap. Um, the issue was DRS was not opening properly, but then they got it sorted. But by the time they sorted it out, it just wasn't enough. Similar to what Hamilton was suffering in FP3 with the DRS just not opening correctly. But... We knew Red Bull was still going to be good. Um, they were probably like one of the front runners for this track, um, given everything that's going on. And Max did quite well, but 0.35 seconds out from Charles, even with a good flying lap, still wouldn't have been enough. I think Max was in green all three sectors, maybe one purple in his last like flying lap. So 
even then, I don't think it would actually really come close to Charles. And then you have Sergio Perez as well, finishing, if I look to my notes, finishing P5. So George Russell's above him. Perez, I, I don't know what happened that last lap. His first sector was yellow and then it was two green. So something happened in the first sector where it just wasn't clicking right, maybe going uh, down the straight into turn one. But surprising. I thought it was going to be like a Ferrari 1-3, Red Bull 2-4 or the other way around. And then you have a Mercedes kind of throwing into the mix in P4, um, highest ever George has ever qualified for, which is quite cool. And out-qualified Hamilton as well. Yeah, it's really mixed it up. Um, yeah, so obviously we've moved down the field. Um, we've got Carlos Sainz in third, Jack, who um, didn't really have a sort of, I don't know, didn't really have a a bad session, um, but it just looks like he's, uh, yet again, you know, unfortunately on home soil as well, um, just that little bit further away from the clear than you'd really want. Yeah, uh, not not terrible. Um, he's at least like, not binned it or anything like that. But um <laughs> That, that's a rather unfair. Uh, I, I do rate the guy. Um, but, yeah, you would have been wanting more, and I can understand why people would have backed him for, for Paul. He seemed, in the earlier practice sessions, he seemed like he had a bit bit more there, a bit of a momentum from the home crowd. Um, but, I mean, we know Leclerc is pretty imperious, one lap in that Ferrari. So, yeah, um, third, it's still a good start. Um, we know how difficult the track is to overtake. I don't think these regs will be miracle workers for this place, so we'll have to wait and see. But um, the challenge for them is, can Ferrari... I don't see science having the pace on race day to use Erb Leclerc, but can Ferrari use him to get past Verstappen despite the Red Bull's tyre advantage? We've seen historically that's been an ongoing thing. And with the race likely to be even hotter tomorrow, um, the entire longevity the Ferrari suffers with could become quite the issue. So um, Sainz will be a key player for the team game. Yeah, 100%. And um, that job uh, that Sergio Perez is going to have is going to be made even harder by, as Sophia just uh, mentioned, um, the highest uh, highest qualifying position for George Russell, Tom, uh, in fourth place. Um, it's a brand new Mercedes, uh, it's, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, to be fair, the Mercedes did look a lot, a lot more improved um, this weekend. And everybody knows I'm not exactly a Mercedes fan, um, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, yeah, um, you know, Russell was putting in some purple um, sector one times, you know, on on a few occasions. Um, I think some people might have got a tad carried away at. Um, at the Q2 times, because obviously they both went P1, P2. Um, and I mean, I, I, uh, I, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I don't know what, what social media world was like, but I imagine there were some people having an absolute meltdown because you say, oh my God, they're P1, P2. But in reality, they've gone out on new softs. Everybody else has gone out on new softs. Um, so when everybody slapped on a pair of new softs, I mean, I think you know the, the real order came out. But yeah, um, Russell had a really good qualifying Obviously, out-qualified Hamilton. You know, Hamilton's been on pole at Barcelona every year since 2017, apart from 2019 when it was Bottas. So, you know, it's a, I think people sort of thinking that America's going to be on the front row this weekend is a bit of wishful thinking. But I, I, I think sort of P, they were P6. No, Russ was P4 and Hamilton was P6. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a marked improvement from when you know, Hamilton went out in Q1 in in Saudi Arabia, you know, what, six weeks ago or however, however long ago it was. Um, they do appear to have somewhat fixed the porpoising as well. I um, mean, you know, it wasn't completely gone, but, you know, it didn't look like, you know, because before it looked like George Russell was at a Slayer concert or something. Um, but, but you know, you know, you know, this time it looked more like he was at a he was at a Vivaldi recital because it was a lot smoother. Um, you know, so he's... Um, yeah, so the, the the car looks improved. I do wonder if there's an element of this being a false dawn, because Mercedes have always been so good at um, at Spain, and and someone said I can't remember who it was. It might be it, it, I legitimately can't remember who it was said in, in a chat earlier that um, 
Spain is a very Mercedes track. It's the, it's, it might have even been our colleague Tom Horrocks. He, he, I think he said, um, oh, if I'm sure it's him, he, he said, you can't get a more Mercedes track than Barcelona. And obviously, there was the pre-season test or shakedown or whatever it was called here. Or the teams know it like the back of their hands. So I do wonder if the track is perhaps complementing the car a bit. And this is only one lap pace. Let's see what race pace brings. Yeah, that's an important thing to uh, to keep an eye on because, uh, yeah, again, it's one lap pace. Uh, it's a, a circuit that the teams know so well that, you know, it's very, very easy to, you know, it's, you'd say it's probably easier to, to optimise for than, say, Miami, um, which is obviously brand new. Although uh, I, I just I, not to cut across you, but uh, but Toto will very emphatically uh, on the uh, after after qualifying saying that they understand the porpoising. So um, you know this could it could also be it could also be uh, you know a, a brand new start for them. Uh, <laughs> um, it took them six races, but they made it. Um, Right. Uh, after sort of splitting the Mercedes, we've got uh, Sergio Perez. Um, bearing in mind what Jack's just said about, you know, it could be hotter. It's, it's clear that tyre wear is going to be uh, a big factor um, just coming into the in, coming into the race. Um, isn't is, is this sort of uh, Sergio Perez's time to shine, uh, Sophia? Um, yeah, I mean, again, we know Barcelona. It's a track, not much overtaking. We're assuming there might be some overtaking this time around with the new regulations unlikely be a lot but there might be one or two it depends on how quickly they get off the line as well but i don't know i feel like it's going to be just like a head down race for sergio perez maybe if he gets close enough to help if he passes russell trying to help um max out and it will go down to strategy tire went to pit i mean damon hill's been saying multiple times this whole weekend he thinks it's going to be a three pit stop which could be possible given how hot it is. I think it's going to be like 48 degrees, 47 degrees. So it's, and it's abnormally like warm. Most people weren't expecting it to be that warm in Barcelona this time around. So definitely you can, we'll definitely see a lot of the tires kind of running down and also depends on who has the amount of new softs as well or mediums. I personally think it's going to be a lot more the medium tire out of all three of them. For sure. I don't feel like soft's going to be on for that long compared to the mediums and the hards, for sure. But Sergio Perez, I think if he could just keep his head down, over like take over Russell, and then see if he can help Max in any kind of way, trying to maybe overtake Carlos Sainz, even though that will probably kick off everybody at the track. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just going to be a mid-race for him, in all honesty. Yeah, we'll have to hope he can prove you wrong, or something else happens. Uh, <laughs> just, just for the sake of excitement, because but I think the most exciting things that have happened at Barcelona have been either twenty years ago or when things have gone wrong. Um, uh, Jack, we've got Lewis Hamilton, who, um, in comparison to his teammate, you know, it obviously he looks an awful lot happier this weekend. Um, still doesn't look to be gelling with the car. Um, is this sort of a, a sign of uh, a changing of the guard, or, or is it, you know, is it is, is it just sort of, you know, it, it getting his head around it, and uh, and we'll be back to the status quo shortly. I mean, I don't think it, uh, changing of the guard. You're kind of leaning towards that new dog, uh, old dog, new tricks, aren't you? Really, and you can't exactly say I'm what is an old dog, <laughs> can you? I uh, know he's been here a while, but come on. Um, I think. It, uh, it's, it's an odd one. The upgrades seem to have made the Mercedes just flat out faster, but it still handles the same. And that handling method, the way it goes around making its pace, Hamilton just don't like it. Um, he cannot get it to settle. We saw a big kick of oversteer coming out of the chicane. Um, on, I think it was Q2, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's just not quite, as you say, gelling with the package. However, one thing I would say is, again, going back to this uh, high temps that Sophia mentioned, um, the Mercedes cannot fire tyres up for love nor money. At least we, that's what we've seen previously. In a hot tra- on a hot track, on an abrasive track like this, they could come into their favour. If they can what, make a hard tyre work um, and not cook it because um, it'll want to work at a lower temp, then it might actually come to their hand if 
um, we're estimating a three-stop strategy, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mercedes, especially with Hamilton pushing for a two and just try and stretch things out a little bit. Um, we know they're always great with their strategy and if they can get Hamilton to just keep his head clear and not get stuck in his own mind as to why the car's not doing what he wants and where the pace isn't coming in, um, then it might come to him a little bit. Doubt it will be for a podium, but if they can make up a couple of spots, I mean, that's pretty good in Spain. Yeah, there's absolutely options, and uh, and it looks like the uh, the upgrades have sort of put like unlocked the performance in the car that you can use those options, uh, and it and it won't go completely terribly. Um, uh, sort of lining up behind Hamilton uh, on on the same row of the grid as him will be Valtteri, uh, yeah, sorry, Valtteri Bottas um, in the in the Alfa Romeo. Um, that's that's a surprisingly good result from uh, Valtteri, bearing in mind his FP1 troubles, Tom. That's the wrong mute button. Um, sorry, you sorry, me slapped myself in the head then. Um, yeah, uh, Bottas, you know, he, he, you know, like you said, he, he, he had some podium issues in, um, uh, in, in free practice, but yeah, I, I mean, again, another brilliant result. You know, he's, he's got, he's got his old seat effectively one place ahead of him. He's got his old teammate behind him, so he's going to be probably sit, sitting there. So they're looking in his mirror. He's going, ah, yeah, because he's because you know, he's got the mercs either side of him. Um, he's there on absolute merit, you know. It's especially given he, he, you know, especially given he did not get as much running in this weekend. Um, I know, you know, I, I know. Obviously, like like we say, you know, everybody knows Barcelona like, like the back of the hand. I said it about five ten minutes ago, but he's in a new car in a new era with a new team with a new power unit. So whilst he knows the circuit, he doesn't know how this car with its aero or this power unit or all the rest of it is going to handle around the circuit. So, you know, so free practice is just as important or was just as important for him before his car conked out. But again, brilliant result. Um, again, you know, for, for Bottas, I do genuinely think because he's not... Hamilton's teammate anymore, not taking anything away from Hamilton, but I genuinely think because he's not Hamilton's teammate anymore and he is categorically the lead driver in a team where he's got a multi-year deal, the spotlight is a bit off him because obviously, you know, because Bottas was one of those ones, it's like before he went to Mercedes, it was, it was like, oh yeah, he's this sort of young Finnish guy. Um, and then when he went to Mercedes, it was like, oh my God, they're going to, scrutinize absolutely every single thing he does it's like oh my word he drinks his coffee with his left hand no his right hand all the rest of it you know they you know people were picking up on absolutely everything he did the poor guy um and his confidence was absolutely shot but since he's gone to alpha he's been absolutely rejuvenated he's made an absolute masterstroke move into that team i was very skeptical at first as i'm sure a lot of other people were because obviously you know alpha amazing Remacing Alpha Romeo Racing, sorry, we try that again. They were not particularly good last year. You know, in fact, they were pretty woeful. Um, but yeah, this year, you know, you know, again, you know, comprehensively beating his teammates so far in quality. I know we're only six races in, or whatever we are, and I know his teammates are rookie and some, some may argue a pay driver. I'm not getting into that. Um, yeah, uh, he's just he's just doing really really well. He looks really confident in the car. You know, he he looks confident in himself. He looks happy in the paddock. He looks relaxed, which is all going to do his performances on track good. Which is exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, sort of coming up. He's come out of the shade and into into the light, as it were. Um, uh, which is sort of, sort of only going to be good, and I think it sort of that change of expectations really has really benefited him personally. Um, after that, uh, we've got sort of you know we're still still going well with the people who are doing are doing great things. Is Kevin Magnussen, uh, which with eighth on the grid, um, is that that has, that has is really starting to come into its own, and it's and it's and it's kind of pushing. It's you know it's it's actually looking uh, quite a threat to the to the other midfield teams, Sophia. Oh, definitely. I mean, I say anytime on my podcast, whether this one or the Everything F1 podcast, I am one of the biggest fans of Kevin Magnussen, and I'm actually so happy happy he's come back this season. He's done nothing but 
great. Like, if you look at his qualifying records, like, he's been in Q3 almost every single time. He's done points. Like, he is the only one that's getting has actual points so far. Mick was closed last week, but obviously we all know what happened. So, Kevin Madison's doing so well. Like, the fact in Q2, he finished P5 in Q2, like, above the Mercedes and all that. Well, not above the Mercedes in Q2, but, like, he's been above, if not near, the Mercedes. And, again, the conversation is Haas taking notes from Ferrari, the investigations and all the different rumors and conversations, like what's going on? Because obviously nobody was expecting a Haas who was Haas last season. And we all know <laughs> how bad it was with them finishing the bottom of everything. It's it's such a big change. And especially now with Kevin, like his skills and his development as well is going to be so much better because he's known Haas for four years. Yes, it is new regulations, and he didn't have much say input because it was a last-minute change with Nikita Mazepin being let go, but still producing what Haas was hoping to get anyway, no matter what, for this season. And yeah, Kevin Magazine, I I want him in the points tomorrow. I think that's going to be a given, unless like there's a random crash or anything. But Kevin Magazine is one of the mo- most consistent drivers alongside Russell, I think in the season so far, six races in for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, uh, in ninth place, we have Daniel Ricciardo, who uh, some people have called a one-trick pony, Jack. Um, do, do you agree with that? Bearing in mind, he's ninth on the grid, out-qualified his teammate. I mean, that's a little bit up for uh, up for debate as to whether that was, you know, obviously uh, on, on equal terms. But, you know, that's... As much as the McLaren isn't amazing, um, that's a pretty good result for them uh, and, and sort of sets them up for the uh, race tomorrow fairly well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit of an odd one. I, I was He certainly yet left me worried for the entirety of qualifying. He couldn't have left it much later to get his way through each session. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was kind of expecting a bit more, maybe. Um but then maybe I was looking at that through the eyes, well, through after looking at the list of 10 upgrades or whatever it is to the to the McLaren car. Um, I think we've got to accept that he's not going to be keeping Lando honest, certainly on one lap. But, I mean, the guys that we've seen out-qualify him, so Bottas, I would expect to drop back, historically anyway. Um, Magnussen, I don't know. He's... <laughs> At the risk of uh, getting some evil eyes from the person over here, um, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see with that one. It could be quite close. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think Norris will have the measure of him come race day. Um, I, I think it's just going to be another slow build, unfortunately. Uh, he's not quite got... He started, he started to get on top of things last year and then with his changeover sort of wobbled him a bit. Um, so I'm not entirely convinced by his performance as much as it pains me to say. Yeah, um, not entirely convinced was probably the way to put it. It's also maybe the way to put it about Mick Schumacher uh, for, for a lot of people coming into this race. Um, it's not been the best of seasons for him uh, so far. Um, but yeah, it's the second season in F1, and uh, and he's done what a, a number of Haas drivers couldn't do, uh, Tom, which is uh, put it in P10 on the grid. Yeah, um, I'm sure the last time Haas had both cars in the top 10 was Brazil 2019, which is uh, a little while ago. You know, that was back in the um, back in the black and gold rich energy days, which, uh, yeah, let's not go there. Um, and... Obviously, K-Mag was in the team then as well. So, um, so yeah, it, it was... Uh, I mean, Mick got a little bit lucky, obviously, with the Lando penalty, which Jack mentioned. Um, you know, so he didn't... He didn't... Set, well, you know... He didn't put it on the road. He didn't put it P10. But he was... He's still in the top 10, and he was still hovering around there. And as much as it pains me to see Lando get that penalty um it's uh, you know it's, it's still it's still been a good it's still been a good day at the office for um uh for um for for mick um it's not it's you know it's, it's nice to see him 
you know, sort of like in the top 10, because as much as we've picked up Haas this year, they are actually only P, I think, eight in the constructors. Um, so, you know, maybe P7, I might be slightly wrong on that, but they, I remember looking at it and thinking that they're not as high up as I thought they were. Um, so maybe is this when Mick gets his first points? Could it be the circuit where his dad did so well in the past? Dare I tempt it? Dare I? I just did. Um, yeah, hopefully, I, I do want to see Mick get some points. Um, and yeah, you know, Mick has ever been one for his out-and-out qualifying pace. You know, you know um, I'm sure I heard in the commentary that during his title-winning season in F2, he never actually put it on the front row. Um, so take from that what you will. But but you know, qualifying doesn't get you the points. Yeah, okay, it gives you a very, very, very good opportunity to get the points, especially in places like Barcelona or Monaco or what have you. But that's not the be-all and end-all. So hopefully, hopefully tomorrow Mick will get points. He he's had a good he's had a good qualifying. Um, he's he's got got into Q three, um, and also Seb's nowhere near him to torpedo him. I thought we were getting dangerously close to a uh, Tom Downey uh, Mick Schumacher prediction for the win there. Oh, God, no, no, no. no. And, and if, if anybody listening or watching is waiting for me to go in on someone, just wait until we get to um, Aston Martin and Williams. Oh, fun. <laughs> I know how to throw it to them. Um, right. Uh, Sophia, um, just outside the top 10, um, this will be the position where you know, last year we'd be saying, well, it's fairly good because, you know, he's fairly high up uh, that he's qualified, but he's still got access to, uh, you know, still got access to free choice of tyres. Um, but it's, unfortunately, it's not that way. Uh, and it's and it's just a disappointing start, isn't it? <laughs> Literally. And especially because looking at the video as well, it was like millimetres off like I think it was they told Lando to stay in the car because they were actually like trying to investigate it saying it it was literally so close obviously the students will have better cameras and what we can see on sky and all that but it was so close and I feel so sorry because he was p8 if it went all the way through a p7 so obviously it did knock was gonna knock out Mick so Mick I feel like needs to thank <laughs> Lando for that but yeah I mean Norris is just having like a wave of like one minute he's so high up in the next minute low and then when it comes to an actual race day as well McLaren are not doing well so the fact that like Ricardo's above Norris for the first time probably in a while this season it's going to be interesting to see and see what team strategy is going to be how separate they're going to go because the last couple of races they've kind of had Ricardo doing one strategy and Norris doing another and just and in Norris's favor all the time as well compared to how it is with Ricardo but oh he must be so gutted because it's like so close and it was like within the last couple of seconds like he was one of the last drivers to uh, do a push lap for it and just couldn't make it like I think it was like almost instantly they got told that uh, it got deleted and we weren't able to hear the team radio unfortunately but like you can tell that he's probably absolutely gutted and I mean, yeah, with the new regulations about not uh, the tire changes and everything, it doesn't mean anything. And again, Barcelona, not known for overtaking, he might just stay in that position. Unfortunately, he might not even get any points. I would hope he would maybe get one point or two. But also, again, I don't want not Haas to have two points, as uh, two drivers in the points. So we'll see. But yeah, absolutely heartbreaking to see that game deleted like straight away and he could have done really well i think he would have out qualified ricardo i think in, in q3 for sure yeah 100 percent. it makes a comparison really difficult and uh and it's got to be remembered that this is the second time that uh lando norris has had a lap time deleted for being millimeters over the white line obviously the the last one coming at uh imola last year um onto p12 jack we have uh esteban ocon um, that's the highest place that, uh, that Alpine have, have managed um, thus far. But bearing in mind that that's sort of not saying much, but bearing in mind where his teammate got to. Yeah. Um, Alpine has so much struggled this year in general, haven't they? It's just not really come to them. Um, it's, a deep, it's, it's a bit average, really. Um, 
I don't really know what to say, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't really see much going on for a bit. They've just sort of floated around the sort of high, uh, the, the top end of the second half of the grid. And it, it's, it's just going to be a case of head down. I mean, I think Norris is going to probably shoot off ahead of him. A couple in the top 10 might start slipping back towards him. Otherwise, it's just going to be more of a case of um, getting Alonso further up. I don't know if they'd maybe use him to back people up. If um, if it turns out that overtaking is quite as difficult as it normally is, maybe they could use him as a block if they don't think that he's got pace to go forwards. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what will go on there. But otherwise... Yeah, I mean, one thing I am noticing, though, he's not done very many laps. He's only done nine, by far and away the least of those around him, even in the uh, even in Q2. So he should have quite a few fresh tyres left um, for race day. Um, certainly softs will be available, which I know uh, quite a few in the top 10 have burned through already. They've not, not got anything new to go on to. So unless they're planning on playing a trip with the tyres... Um, I'm not too sure what to expect from him. I guess I think he'll probably struggle to get to the points from there and probably be more likely to be used strategically than anything. He He was uh, complaining as well, saying that the team wasn't giving the support and what he was needed as well because he felt like he could do a lot better than what he did and to be fair, Alpine was just not doing the best for both drivers. Mm-hmm. But he kept on saying on team radio multiple times, like, you're not getting the support. There's no issues. It's like, um, there's so many issues. I need more power. I need more support. And as we see, he didn't do well. That's bang on. You're absolutely right. You actually reminded me because he said at the end of his session when they told him, it was like, well, that's no surprise then, is it? So, yeah, you got a very good point there. So I wonder what they were playing at, really. <laughs> Yeah, um, funnily enough, it's, it seems like a, that's the sort of thing that he, that, that's those sorts of radio broadcasts, things he's learned from his teammate. Obviously, that, that harkens back to the uh, to the 2015 Honda days um, with those kinds of things being broadcast over team radio. Um, behind him, um, it's not going to be an easy ride for, for Ocon, I don't think, bearing in mind he has uh, Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly. And if anyone can go forward, it's a Red Bull-powered uh, Alfa Tori, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, provided the engine doesn't blow up, um, you know, which they seem to have a bit of a knack of doing at the minute, which really pains me. Um, yeah, no, uh, could be a yeah, could be could be a difficult day at the office tomorrow for Ocon, especially as that um, that uh, um, what you call it. Um, what does he drive? Alpine. Thank you. Um, just sorry, my mind went completely blank then. The, 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 my mind did what the Red Bull power unit does, where it just dies. Um, right, coming so, out of the airbox and all that. So, yeah, but yeah, you know, one of them. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Alpines didn't look particularly strong today, anyway. Um, I've just slated off on a bit in, in my uh, in, in my quality article, um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, just I don't foresee him moving up the grid. Um, I think he's going to get swallowed up by a few teams around him. Um, that's if he even makes it to the end of the race, because with that French liability, it might just conk out. You know, at any point, you know, his French will probably go on strike anyway, but um. You know, it's a, you know, you know, it's a. I think it's going to be a lonely race for for Ocon. I think he's 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 going to fall back. I think I'd imagine both Alphataris will pass him. I wonder if Mick Schumacher will perhaps drop back, um, and he could end up having a bit of a ding dong with him. Um, I know, I know. I want to see him making the points, but I mean, let's be real. I think he's probably more likely to drop back than he is to stay up there. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't see Ocon having a particularly fun race tomorrow. Although I don't see the race being fun at all. It's Barcelona; it's always boring. So you're optimistic. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, after that, on the uh, oh goodness, what's that? That's the seventh row of the grid, I think. Uh, is uh, are both the Alfa Tories? Uh, that's a. It's. I mean, if anything, that's 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 
pretty much standard uh, Barcelona qualifying, isn't it, Sphere, with two by two uh, on the cars. But um, it's a decent position for them to go forwards, at least. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised Gasly was going to go out because obviously he suffered from uh, rear cooling covers in FP3. So I think he only did about two or three laps in FP3, um, similar to how Mick was as well, catching on fire, which we didn't actually mention that. <laughs> um, but I... I was thinking of if the team kind of rushed to get um, Gasly in done in time. Um, but then again, I was like, well, Yuki's just below him. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like a rush job for it. But I mean, Gasly even said as well, when he was coming into the pits, I tried my hardest. It's just not working. Like there just seems to be not a good reliability or not, things not clicking with a lot of the teams in Barcelona, which is surprising because obviously this is the shakedown track. This is when we, you're meant to test how the last five races have been, if it's similar to how it was in preseason testing. And a lot of them are still having issues where you weren't really expecting a lot of issues. And even with all the different upgrades coming in to play for some of these teams and still having the same issues, it, it's a bit surprising. So, I mean, it adds some value of interest because we know it's not going to be an interesting race, um, <laughs> similar to how Tom was mentioning. But yeah, I mean, Yuki, I, I didn't really see much about him on um, in the qualifying. He, similar to Norris, had turn 12 track limits getting deleted. Gasly as well had his uh, track time deleted. Both happened in Q1, not in Q2, but Still, that turn 12, and especially the fact that they're watching turn 12 out of all the other turns is quite interesting because it's not that far off from the gravel. So <laughs> it, it, it was an interesting one. And that was some of the discussions that some of the commentators were having is why they are look, why the students are looking at that specific turn because there's no room really for error unless you're like Norris and being like a millimeter off and not being into the gravel. But now Alpha, I feel like it's just going to be head down racing, probably maybe make up one or two, depending on if the top kind of trickle down or if there's slow pits, incorrect strategies, tire issues, heating as well, overheating engines and such, that could come into play. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's just going to be quite a boring race. You might not see much of them um, in commentary and clips probably tomorrow. Yeah, they were in that sort of period, where, uh, in that sort of uh, zone where they, they they might just fall into obscurity. Um, behind them, uh, we have in fifteenth place, Joe Grand New Jack. Um, bearing in mind, if you, you look at the Q two time and compare it to the Q one time, he really should have been able to make it an awful lot further up than he did, didn't didn't it? Uh, shouldn't he? Yeah, uh, that's um, it's not even as close, isn't it? Like six tenths, six and uh, five and a half, six tenths or so um, difference. Um, that's very surprising, really. Um, it only really would have gained him, even if he had repeated that. Uh, where would it have gone him? 11, uh, 12. He would have put himself 12 had he, uh, had he managed that. So I'm not too sure. I didn't see anything. I don't remember seeing anything. Can someone else maybe able to correct me? But um, I don't recall seeing any issues for him in that session um, for whatever reason. I know he... Uh, he was one of many people trying to set an initial time on scrub tires and it just didn't seem to work for anybody, uh, him included. Um, but unless they kept trying on used, uh, used tires, I'm not too sure if anyone has any info on that, but, um, yeah, it's not, it's not stellar. Um, though he's sort of keeping in terms of what he's done before, he's sort of keeping where he's at, um, from previous events. Um, if the Alpha Towers do sort of struggle or start to struggle or hit reliability issues, then that's a few options for him uh, come race day. But otherwise, I mean, his teammate, I expect to fall back. It seems like um, the Alpha doesn't quite have race pace in it as much compared to Quali. So um, if he can maybe gain a couple of spots, I think points is probably a long shot, a very long shot, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, uh, like slightly odd one. That, that time is quite perplexing, to be honest. Actually, that's, that's irritating me a little. <laughs> yeah, I guess unless there's no obvious issues or anything, it's just weird. Um, now, 
you'd think that I'd plan this out with how I've managed to get round to t- get round to Tom when we come on to the Aston Martins. <laughs> Just the record, I haven't planned it out. Tom, what can we say about about the Aston Martins, particularly with Sebastian Vettel? I mean, you know, it's basically a Red Bull now, so you should support it, right? <laughs> God alive, where do we begin? Honestly, right. I think I, I uh, Christian Horner is probably absolutely weak with laughter. Any potential risk or thought of there being any intellectual property stolen, I think they can rest easy. Um, they've they may as well have used an extra sketch or something to draw that car because even though they brought all these upgrades and all the rest of it, they're still out in both out in Q1 again. And it's just, oh, God, it's just pathetic, isn't it? Um, you know, the, the amount of money that's being pumped into that team, um, Vettel probably can't do an awful lot because if he, if he says the wrong thing or if he, uh, you, you know, if, if, if he irritates um, Lawrence Stroll, he'll probably have, like, a mafia order on his head because I, I, I still reckon, like, Lawrence Stroll has got, like, things to, like, Canadian organised crime or something. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, he, he's like you could. He owns Aston Martin for God's sake, and he's and he's like a quintessential Bond villain. How much more cliche can you get? Um, you know, I, I bet he just sits on his desk stroking a white cat or something. Um, you know, you know, Seb walks in. Hello, Mister Vettel. I've been expecting you, kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just it's, yeah, it's just Aston. Aston are just oh, they're just woeful. Even with these upgrades, if anything, they've gone backwards. Because they showed a bit of promise in you know in Miami, um, and by a bit of promise, I mean one of the cars got out of Q1. Um, but now it's just oh god, they've just come back down to it to the bump. And I know they're Mercedes power, but this is a Mercedes power friendly track. We saw it with the McLarens to an extent. You, you know they were both more or less into QC. Obviously, Lando technically isn't, but they were they were more or less up there. Um, Obviously, the Mercedes Works team. That you know, they, they were, you know, they, they were really up there today. But Aston Martin, just what are you doing? Like, you know, you know, I, I don't know if that place is like rotten from, from the top down or what. I also wonder how much longer Stroll is actually going to be putting money into that thing. Because at what point is he is he just going to go? Oh, I don't know. What, F this. I'm out. And he's just going to pull the plug take Lance with him and then go buy another team or probably bugger off to IndyCar or something. Sorry, IndyCar. Um, you know, but you can have him. We don't want him. Um, yeah, it's just... Oh, God, Aston, it's just... A team that showed so much promise. When they were the entities of Racing Point and Force India and when they had that sort of crossover in the middle, they were the, that team was the king. They were the epitome of a team that when they had a restricted budget or they had limited resources, they could punch way above their weight. Look at when they had Sergio Perez and Nico Hulkenberg, and then when Ocon came in after Hulkenberg went to Renault in 2017, I think it was. They were so good. They were P4 in the constructors in 2016. Granted, yes, you know, they, they were, uh, uh, I think it was 2016. Granted, yes, they had a Mercedes power unit in the, in the back of the car. And we, you, we know, especially back then, just how good that Mercedes power unit was. Absolute chef's kiss. But, um, but how, you know, especially in a cost cap era, how can a team that has such good history and such a good reputation and, you know, you know such good form for, operating within financial constraints, how can it go from being so good to so crap like that? I just don't get it. I know we've had rule changes. I know that 2021, the, they cut the... Oh, they, uh, we obviously had the rule change for the rear of the floor, which you know, which really hamstrung the mercs. But a team that, you know, that now has the resources that it has, has the backing that it has, has to do better. All I'm going to say is that uh, at least at least the 
Aston, the Aston Martin seeming to have copied the Red Bull uh, with a Bond villain esque owner. Uh, it doesn't seem like MI6 is actually their design department. Um, <laughs> the, the shade that Red Bull had as well in FP2 with the green Red Bull cans as well. It was just like a touch. But I mean, just jumping on as well with the cost, Lance has said that they actually had two cars in development since the beginning, which is interesting because cars were struggling to even get one car ready in time for Barcelona and Lance is saying, oh, we have enough money, daddy's money, we have two. And you kept on saying like, even if it was intellectual property being taken, the people in question have only been with Aston Martin for a month or two weeks. So how is that possible that we can have a car and the fact that it's been in development since November, but Helmut Marko has apparently said that they have evidence now that proves that potentially Aston Martin has copied Red Bull. So that might be a new development. But again, it's Helmut Marko. So how much truth do we have to his word sometimes? <laughs> like, we'll see, but it, it's weird. Like, they look the same. Yeah, but obviously we're not going to compare now because they are out in Q3. If, if it was Q2, Q1, um, sorry, Q1, two, Q3, if they finish a lot higher, then yeah, people will probably kick off a lot more, but people are just not caring now. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it's just a bit of a mess. Um, and sort of, you know, it's trapped in the middle of uh, of, of that sort of sandwich is, um, is Fernando Alonso, uh, Sofia, um, two-time world champion at home, Fernando Alonso, 17th on the grid. Yep. It's his first time since 2001 that he's not finished high. Like, this is the first time he's been out in Q3. First one. Q1, sorry. Mine's going a little bit blank. Yeah, this is the first time he's not made into Q2 or higher. We'll go with that. Since 2001. And... He said in an interview, it was just miscommunication. Apparently, there was a timing issue. He thought he had a lot more time than it was actually, and then obviously got caught with Norris as well towards the end. So, like, he seemed a lot nicer to his team than Alcon did um, with saying it's a miscommunication on both parts. I thought I had enough time. The team told me I had enough time, but it was just not adding up and just not syncing right. But yeah, I oh, especially home race, and I, I don't see him doing well. Like I feel like he's just gonna stay there, maybe one or two st- spots, but like it's not what you want to see for your home race for sure. And especially the amount of fans, record capacity, one hundred eighteen thousand each day. Like I can't fathom that amount of people. I come from a small country of th- sixty-five thousand, so to see double my population in one small area pretty much almost the same width it's kind of a crazy thing to imagine for sure yeah and it's gonna it's it's probably gonna end up making that that failure look so much worse by comparison um yeah alpine really really bad uh qualifying for them particularly with alonso um but also it's 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 you know, we've got right next to him is, is someone out there. Uh, you know, we're, unfortunately, we're in that end of the grid where it's all losers. So, um, or people who have lost out so much. That's what I mean. Uh, there we go. Uh, litigation going around right now. I better uh, be careful what I say. Um, yeah, we have Lars Stroll, who is a full eight places further down than he qualified in Miami, Jack. Yeah, it does somewhat add a lot, even more weight to Tom's argument of them going backwards, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, he, in relation to his teammate, he is where you expect him to be. And certainly, just touching back on Vettel, I mean, he seemed to think it was going fine because when he finished and they tell him he's out, I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Like, So he must have thought either his lap was good or he expected more. Um, Stroll was just... Well, he's stroll, isn't it? He's just there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all of this like copying, given this performance, I'd say. I mean, has Marco found anything? I mean, as Sophia said, it's Albert Marco. 
no, probably not. I suspect more likely than anything is that they looked at the red ball, got someone to take a picture, it's like, okay, let's roughly copy this, get it into CFT and see what works. That's as close as I can think of it because he shouldn't be down there, really. That has, they were starting to get on top of it in reality. They were starting to get the hang of that car, certainly at some tracks. But, yeah, whether it's just been exacerbated by the fact that this track is requiring different demands, I would have thought, given how we keep some Mickey Mouse some of the Miami parts were, it sort of bleeds in. It was a lot of, a lot of high-speed corners, and this is what this track's famous for. So you wouldn't have expected them to plummet so far. And yeah, here we are. So I don't expect much from him come race day either. Um, I think the back row of the grid have got more chance of going forwards. So, um, well, let's move on to them. So you, you've got your theory of how they made those parts. My theory is that they've uh, they found the mould out the back of a built-in Keynes factory and uh, and just slimmed it down and painted it. Um <laughs> equally likely uh, when it comes to that. Um, somehow somehow we've, we've gone one row further down on the grid and, uh, and we've got someone with more promise. Uh, Alexander Albon, uh, Tom, <laughs> fresh with his red hair, uh, along, with the, along with the rest of his team, uh, in 19th place. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with Alex because I think actually Alex has some promise uh, and isn't being evaluated for a new seat at Williams. <laughs> Can someone else talk about Albon so I can go in on Latifi? Is that all right? Yeah, who wants to take it? Let's do that. That sounds fun. I will. I will. Why not? Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's Alex. Like, he did quite well in Miami. Obviously, points. But some of that was due to um, Alonso being a uh, five-second time penalty due to issues. But, I mean, I don't know. We always we thought Williamson has to be battling for the bottom teams, but it's still Williams, just not a Haas. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like it just wasn't set up nicely with Alex um, Latifi. I'll let Tom handle <laughs> how he feels about like Latifi and Williams in that kind of sense. But yeah, I don't know. It, it was just a weird setup. It just wasn't running nice. Like. He, I don't think he actually made like any green. It was just purely yellow most of the time, like from the first lap. He just wasn't sinking right. It just wasn't running properly. Mind you, to be fair, we didn't really see much of it on Sky. Like it, all of a sudden, <laughs> key one ends and we're like, oh, both Williams are down. How did that happen? I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but like we didn't see any clips. It was a lot of people were just focusing on Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes not really thinking about like the lower teams at all. Um, maybe he might, he won't, he won't get points tomorrow. That's for sure. So the red hair curse streak, all that, that's pretty much done and dusted. Still need to see Ted with red hair. Apparently that's happening on the notebook tonight. Um, his notebook, but yeah, I don't know. Um, just head down race, maybe try to get better for Monaco, but we'll see. Well, yeah, but I can't wait to hear what Tom's going to say about Latifi. <laughs> Ready uh, for it. <laughs> just just to um, hold up Tom, one more little bit. I know we're waiting on him. Uh, in Albon's defence, he did lose out on running, though, didn't he? Because they decided, oh, no, Vips needs to get some time in. So, um, yeah, he is down oh, no, on I running was, time. I'm sorry, Jack. I think it was to freeze. Vips was oh, to, it was to freeze, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Either yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Vips, Vips had a terrible time. He, had to, he <laughs> just had to sit there doing uh, doing correlation runs at, at a constant speed. <laughs> Didn't get to do a push lap. No, it was... Sorry, carry on. It's interesting that they chose Albon, who's not had as much practice in an F1 car over Latifi. I feel like money probably had a thing to say and... Dad, no, I, I think probably... it might just be that Latifi needs the practice. Yeah, Latifi needs all the running he can get because he's on limited time anyway. I don't know. I think I'd rather have DeFreeze than Latifi, to be fair. I'd rather have Thrush than Latifi. <laughs> right, shall I go? I think you've already started. Yeah, I've already started, yeah. <laughs> um, uh... Sorry, hold on, hold on. I'll lead you in. Starting right at the back of the grid, we have Nicholas Latifi, three tenths off his teammate. <laughs> yeah, um, Latifi was barely into the one twenty ones, and he's in his third season in F one, and he's still 
plum dead last again. How much longer are Williams going to put up with this? Because uh, they they said last year, I'm sure Josh Capito said um, that, oh, we don't need Latifi for his money. If that's true, he needs to be out the door by the end of the season. Because someone like Piastri or I would say Jamie Chadwick, I'm not going to say that yet because I think she needs longer in junior series. Um, but for someone like Piastri, De Vries, um, maybe not Dan Tictum, Um, but there are plenty of there are plenty of junior drivers that Williams got in their books and that and that that are the floating around. People like Logan Sargent as well. You know, he's you know he's he's in the Williams Academy. Latifi must be looking over his shoulder because he's absolute ass. Honestly, he's just terrible. He he didn't exactly set the world alight in F two. You know, he was there for what four or five years. Made it through on money. Um, you know, maybe he can join Alfa Romeo as a sponsor and can sponsor Bottas for, for his coffee or something. I don't know. That's where he belongs in F1. He doesn't belong in the, in, in the cockpit of an F1 car. I tried to give him, well, I did give him the benefit of the doubt for, for, for a while last year. And yeah, he did get some points. Um, but how many times has he been qualified by his teammate? He's Stone dead last again. He's slow. He's in the way. You know, you know, he's just he's just awful. And he's got I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm not even sorry. I'm not sorry at all. He's got no place in an F1 car. And if Williams is serious about committing to the development of that car, they're gonna yeet him out by the end of the season and get someone else in there who's got some promise. You know, someone who's actually won some things at a junior level. Don't even have to have won in a whole championship. At least won a frigging race. I don't even think to see if he did that in F2. Or he, was, he might have even been in it when he was still GP2. It, it was, he was in it for that long. But he's just, you know, he's a nice guy. He brings Nutella. But that's, that's about it. And being a nice guy ain't going to get you that far in F1. You know, We've got we've got two pretty ropey Canadians on the grid, neither of whom really deserve to be in their seats. And Latifi's gone under the radar because we had Mazepin last year, who obviously brought not an insignificant amount of limelight with him. And now that he's gone and he's a distant memory, the spotlight is rightly on Latifi, and he needs to go. In fairness, Mazepin did win in the junior formula seat. Oh, well, there we are then. Mazepin for Williams 2023 confirmed. He is racing with a uh, with a Russian team somewhere that I can't remember. I, I, I did see it recently. I think it's Rally or Endurance. It's one of the non-TV kind of racing. It is, it's, a, it's a Dakar, like the Dakar championship thing that it's in now. Yeah. But Latifi is the only driver that has not made it out of Q3 this whole season so far. So that's actually a hell of a stat, right? Because yeah. uh, it's pathetic. Wait, which, actually, wait, hold on. Which means that this that that means that someone who's not even driving anymore has made it out of Q3 when Latifi has. Hulkenberg. Yeah. yeah. Hulkenberg made it. He made it into Q2, just like top of Q2 when he was running for seven the first two races, but. I mean, also the fact that Matt's been finished in Miami. I think that was his first finish as well. So take it as you will. <laughs> but but yeah, that about rounds out the grid. Um, goodness, I can't look, remember what we do now. Look, he, even my cat's unimpressed with the CV. She's just walked off. She's she's just like, oh, uh, do you know what? Sod yeah. this. It's just heard Latifi three times. Yeah. I'm not sticking around for that. Maybe he's yeah. like beetle juice. And with that, um, I'm going to go with Tom's prediction for the podium. I think Leclerc's going to win. Um, yeah, it's a circuit where we don't see much overtaking, so I think he's going to set off into the distance. And I think he's going to have learned some lessons about how Max is going to attack. The goal ultimately is going to keep him out. Um Max will come home P2 and I 
I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say Russell's going to get P3. I can see it. I can see it happening. Sophia, what's your uh, what's your uh, prediction for the podium? Um, I mean, I'm going to follow suit for the first two. I think it's going to be Charles and Max. And then I want it to be Carlos. So I feel like it's going to be the same as the top three starting grid for tomorrow. It's going to stay like that. That's hopefully, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> oh, interesting. And then, Jack, what's yours? I reckon it's going to be a Ferrari one too. I'm going to say Leclerc will get it with science playing back up. I reckon Ferrari will get the strategy for once. And um, my guts are in Russell. I think there might be a hiccup in the Red Bull engine for Verstappen or something like that. I think Russell might just sort of luck hiccup. into it. <laughs> a hiccup from the, from the Red Bull powertrain? Never. Um, I think it would be remiss for me for, to go off a prediction that I've already made, which is uh, which is Carlos Sainz for the win. That's what I'm going with. And then Charles Leclerc for second. Uh, and then Valtteri Bottas for third place. I don't know how Valtteri, Plus, Valtteri Bottas gains four places, was that from last year or something? No, no, that was uh, no, that was that that, that is uh, the Owen prediction. <laughs> so is that twenty nineteen when he was on pole? No, no, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with that one and hope. Um, but yeah, bold uh, predictions. I mean, I've re- I think I've already done mine. But <laughs> Tom, what's your bold prediction? Have you got one? <laughs> uh, both has get points. Oh, both has to get points. I can see that. <laughs> I can actually maybe maybe this is why I lose money on the uh, on the pools. Um, <laughs> Sophia, what's your bold prediction for the race? Um, I originally had in a bold prediction in a post uh, with everything F one was I said Aston Martin would both be in the points. I'm uh, giving up on no, that. Let's keep you at that one. No, let's keep nope. you at that one. That's funny. No, 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 no. <laughs> no but Haas. I, I've said it in this podcast as well. Both Haas in the points. I'm following Tom. It's going to be possible. It actually could be. Um, and then there's, and then Jack, what's yours? Oh, I can't just follow the herd, which is what I had planned like before this podcast even started. But, um, <laughs> so, in lieu of that, I am going to say, I like something like McLaren or something like that aren't too surprising. I think if both alphas got up there, though, that would be pretty bold. So, both alphas in the points. Interesting. I'm gonna As go in both- Alpha Romeo, not Alpha Tauri. I was going to say, you have to specify now. Um, just as a jokey one, I'd, I'd like a bold prediction of th- like the bottom half of the grid not to look like a reverse phone book. With, you know, you've got Alpine, Renault, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Aston Martin, Aramaco, Mercedes, Alpine, Renault, Aston Martin. <laughs> just A's all the way down. No, but uh, for realsies, um, my, my bold prediction is uh, both Mercedes on the podium. I can see it. I can see it happening. That goes to show how much the order has changed that it's a bold prediction that both Mercs are going to be on the podium. I mean, is it, though? I mean, it's less bold now. If you'd have told me this on Thursday, it'd be like... (laughs) If you'd have told us this in 2020 or 2021, there's a bold prediction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm pointing my recycling at you. Oh, goodness. It's like I bite my thumb at you, sir. Um, right, now we've gone through that. It's a bit off the rails, but it can't be as bad as it was in Miami, um, or at least after Miami. Uh, Tom, uh, we'll go to you two. Uh, where, where can we find you? So you can find Sophia and myself, because we're both part of Everything F1. You can find us uh, on our website, which is everythingf1.com, where we have race reviews, uh, quality previews, and then articles with perhaps some slightly unpopular opinions, um, you, know, you know, some things which perhaps some people don't want to say, as people would have noticed. Some of us are not afraid to say it. Don't know who that could be. Um, also, you can find us across all our socials. We have the handle at JoinEF1 or, or Everything F1. Uh, so that is Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, we have a, a, um, a Facebook group as well called the Everything F1 Paddock. You won't find me in there because I have uh, deactivated my Facebook because I can't be bothered with it. Um, but it is actually a really good group. And, you know, I, I literally joined as a member before I got 
before I got sort of taken on, you know, as as a, as a, as a member of the team. Um, also, we have our YouTube channel, Everything F1. Uh, am I missing anything, Sophia? Oh, we have TikTok because apparently that's a thing that the young kids do. Um, again, you won't find me on there because I'm old. Um, yeah, we also I, the podcast every Tuesday, uh, film it live every Tuesday. Tuesday. And Wednesday gets posted on all streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple, everything can follow through there. You'll probably be hearing my voice a lot more. Um, we have some great uh, guests. Sean Kelly has been some. We've had Saber Cook, Jamie Chadwick, Justin Callum Eilat recently as well, just to name a few. And we have a lot more coming up in the next couple of weeks for sure. Awesome. That's great. Uh I do like listening to everything F1 uh, when I get a chance, which I don't because I listen to too many podcasts now. Um, it's genuinely a problem. Um, Jack, where can we find you? What what bits do you do? Um, well, what do I do? Uh, you can probably find me at best if you want to, for some reason, talk to me or whatever. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore C underscore Watson. Um, otherwise, um, I do occasionally, occasionally do articles for the Spotlight um, website um, in conjunction with um, F1 Chronicle, um, mainly looking at the more technical side of things. I did one for the 2022 F1 rule changes, just sort of detailing that when they first came out, um, and uh, some more historical-based stuff, so um, the big movers and shakers um, tech-wise in F1, so we've done all the engine stuff, the um, the, the uh, chassis side of things coming in with aero and that sort of thing. So if you've got a bit of a techie mind, you might want to check that out. Yeah, and, uh, and as for me, if you want to hear my ramblings, uh, I haven't managed to do one yet because it's been really busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh what what with work but uh normally i used to i, I used to do tech uh, meme reviews of uh uh sort of all the races which is the lighter side uh it started out as just to sort of bring up bring some of the toxicity away from the 2021 season and uh we were going to stick with it but it's uh it's, di it's difficult when races are far away uh and on the other side of the planet and uh and you've got to get up for 8 a.m on monday morning and write coaster write a uh, code so I'm going to get a look off Tom for that now, um. <laughs> mate. I, I yeah, you know, I, I know I work in IT. I can't program for for love nor money. Um, no, it's so, hard. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I can script. I can't program. <laughs> so anyway, if you but if you would like to read that, uh, I, I write my articles a lot better than I write my code because um, I don't have to go through 18 revisions for my for my articles. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're all available on sportlightpro.com and we have a, a, a meme review for almost every uh, race of the 2021 championship and some before that, if you would like to read those. Um, right, if you want to listen to any more of this podcast, which I would highly suggest you do, particularly with uh, what looks to be a fairly exciting race, a little bit at the front, at least based on our predictions, um, is you can uh, watch you group... Yeah. Watch Grid Talk uh, available on YouTube, uh, where most episodes are recorded live, like this one. You'll know if you're watching. Um, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our entire back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying race results. Um, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our presenters. Um, and you can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise uh, on F1 Chrono.com f1chronicle.com slash store um, also make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when uh, each new weekly episode is released um, we'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content thank you very much for listening and goodbye <laughs>